0: Just go to Indeed.com slash Blue Wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash Blue Wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: Hey, everybody. Welcome into Candlestick Chronicles, a 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Kyle Madsen. I write about the 49ers over at NinersWire.com. Joining me shortly, Chris Biederman covers the 49ers for the Sacramento Bee. And we finally have a regular season game to talk about. The 49ers beat the Detroit Lions 41-33. to Got very scary at the end for San Francisco, but there's a ton to talk about and
2: digest from this game. So let's get into it. Chris, I want to start this podcast with a
3: quarterback take. Oh, let's hear it. I love quarterback takes.
1: Yeah. We've had a lot of them on this pod over the course of the last let's see, six or so months. And today showed to me. We're recording this Sunday night. It became very evident why Trey Lance isn't starting. Having that? nothing to do with Jimmy Garoppolo, but it looked to me like the game was really fast for him.
3: <laughs> you may you're making this judgment off four snaps.
1: Yes. Okay. No, because here's no here's why. So this might be colored too a little bit by the fact that Jimmy Garoppolo is really good, and we'll talk about Jimmy Garoppolo. More, but I got to get this take off. There, I, we might find this out. We might not. But it looked like there were multiple options for him on each of his plays. Whether it was like a, like a zone read or a, the first one, the first snap, he had Elijah Mitchell lined up next to him. Elijah Mitchell split out wide. He did like a pump fake to Mitchell and then tucked it and ran. And it just looked to me like the decision-making wasn't quite there.
3: Is this a bit? I can't tell if this is a bit or not.
1: No. Okay. <laughs> I'm not doing a bit. It just looked, no, because he, he had three rushes for two yards and it just looked like there, he didn't have to me.
3: Do we know what his instructions were on these plays?
2: No.
1: Okay. So that's, so that's the caveat here, right. is I'm, I'm going off of, I'm sitting on my couch. I'm watching this game. This is what it looks like. And that's what I said. We don't know. You know, maybe they said, hey, on this play where Mitchell goes out there, if this defender doesn't go to place X, throw it. And if he does, run it into the line. Just don't lose any yards. That might have been the instructions. But um, what I thought was good in that vein, though, and what I think the plan is, is... These are these are reps that are going to be valuable for him in his development, which is what matters because he's getting to see what a starting defense looks like. That's my take. Okay. Yeah, I, the I'm not. Game gonna is too fast for Trey Lance. I'm not going to. They over- made a mistake.
3: Anything. I'm not going to. That's a bit. Now I'm doing. A bit. Okay. Yeah, I'm. I'm not overreacting to anything that happened with Trey Lance today. Um, he did throw a touchdown on his first NFL pass. He's the only rookie quarterback in week one to throw a touchdown on 100% of his pass attempts. That's
1: a good point. Um, only rookie quarterback that played and didn't
3: lose. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, uh, I think Trey. what's, what really stuck out to me about today is that Trey Lance is sort of a footnote with everything else yeah. that happened yeah. because I think coming into the game, it became pretty apparent that Trey Lance wasn't going to have all that much of a role given his finger injury um, and I was to be honest a little bit surprised that they didn't just activate Nate Sutfield and make him the backup quarterback and give Trey Lance a little bit more time because you know if if he was compromised in any way throwing which he wasn't I mean we saw him at practice he looked like he was throwing the ball pretty well um, but if there was any question about whether or not you know, he would maybe be fearful of banging his hand on a, on a helmet while, while throwing from the pocket or something that it might not even be worthwhile to play him. So the fact that he came in, he played four snaps, ran a few times, threw a touchdown pass. I don't know if it was all that eventful for, for Trey Lance or if there was much new information to glean from it, even though it was his first career game. And he did throw a touchdown on his first ever pass, which was a layup. Which was, was kind of the point, right? During the right. preseason, you said, you said that during the preseason. During the preseason, Trey Lance didn't get any layups. And I think that right. was by design, right? Like, I think schematically, Kyle Shanahan wanted things to be pretty difficult to, to sort of expedite that development. So it was interesting to get him a layup. And I think there are a whole lot more layups that Kyle Shanahan could get Trey Lance because of his skill set. Um, so that's one of the reasons why I've constantly, not constantly, but regularly, said that I think Trey Lance should have started from the jump. Um, that being said, Jimmy Garoppolo was really good. Three, he, he had really over good. 300 yards passing for the first time, or f- sorry, for the sixth time in his career. Um, he completed 68% of his throws. He averaged 12.6 yards per attempt. Uh, he got away with kind of a duck of a deep ball to Debo Samuel, who did a good job adjusting to it, um, coming back for it. And Jimmy Garoppolo, credit to him, he took a big hit on the play. Um, But overall, you know, the big thing for me coming out of this game is that the 49ers worst fears in their secondary came true because they lost Jason Verrett to potentially a season ending injury um, with Kyle Shanahan saying after the game that he feared that Verrett tore his ACL, which seemed pretty apparent on the sideline, at least judging by Verrett's reaction, given he's torn an ACL before and torn an Achilles um, the way he was reacting and the way his teammates react were reacting and the way Kyle Shanahan spoke about it after the game indicates that this is a season ending injury, mm-hmm. which is bad on a few fronts because Jason Verrett has earned a ton of respect in the locker room and become a leader, et cetera, et cetera. But it's also highlights the fact that the 49ers were thin at cornerbacks to begin with. And so now they just lost their best cornerback potentially for the season. <clears throat> so where do they go from here? Um, I think Emmanuel Mosley has a chance to play this week. That's what Kyle Shanahan hinted at. Uh, Josh Norman was ready to play Sunday despite being signed last Monday um, and not participating in training camp, but Norman wasn't active. So, you know, is there a trade out there? I don't know. Maybe it's too early to say, but it wouldn't surprise me at all if the 49ers ended up trading for a cornerback at some point before the deadline in late October. Mm -hmm. Um, But to me, that's really the takeaway. It's not. You know, the offense looked good, which should be expected. Garoppolo playing well is is a nice takeaway for the 49ers. He didn't throw an interception, though he did fumble the first snap of the season, which was kind of funny in retrospect. Um, the defense was a little bit leaky, and I do wonder if Javon Kinlaw would have impacted the run defense a little bit better in the middle there. Um But there was the big collapse. But I think the big collapse at the end was in large part because of Jason Brett's injury, Kyle Shanahan pulling a bunch of starters, the team essentially being shell shocked by the injury, and then having to bounce on an onside kick, bad bounce on an onside kick, bad fumble, face mask, (laughs) Debo Samuel not seeing um, Flowers, a defensive lineman, come up from behind him and strip the ball on what would what should have been a game ceiling first down so um can i can i yeah i've been i've been ranting but go ahead uh
1: as far as the quarterback stuff goes um i just wanted to have a take off the top to be more of an alpha
3: (laughs) (laughs) you're not not grabbing (laughs) that middle seat huh no (laughs) fair enough
2: uh
1: no i thought that jimmy garoppolo manipulated the detroit defense today masterfully and he had a really nice play fake to Debo. Um, he audibled into a touchdown run for Elijah Mitchell, the 38 yarder, which is really good. Um, you know, people say that he underthrew that ball to Debo, but guaranteed those people haven't put on pads in their lives.
3: Except Debo Samuel said it wasn't a great <laughs> ball after the game.
1: <laughs> no, I'm joking. I'm joking <laughs> on the, on the, on the haven't played football in their lives thing because that yeah. was up. So.
3: uh, I th- so man, you the 49ers about- won today by the way. They did. And they that's want know. So- the entire NFC West is 1-0 after opening right. Sunday. Right. Uh that point differential though.
1: Watch out. So, I want to that's where I want to go a little bit. Let's go to the how it ended. Okay. Because I thought it was pretty clear that The game ended the way it did. So the 49ers are up 41-17 at the two-minute warning. And the Lions are driving, and the 49ers had taken out their starters. And especially after you see Jason Verrett go down in the third quarter and Jimmy uh, Jimmy Ward had started cramping up, I can imagine, based on what happened with the 49ers last year, Kyle Shanahan wasn't too eager to have his starters in the game anymore. Especially on AstroTurf. Yeah, you're up 24 points with two minutes left in the game. You figure that's a pretty safe lead. But then the Lions score with a minute 53 left and they get the two-point conversion. Weird bounce hits George Kittle in the face mask on the onside kick and then (laughs) bounces off his face mask directly to a Detroit Lion. And then they go down and score again because now starters who have mentally checked out of the game because they think they're done have to go back in and yeah. play football. Yeah. And, um, you know, and then we we mentioned the Debo Samuel fumble after after the Lions scored again. If the 49ers have a healthy secondary and Jason Verrett and Emmanuel Mosley are playing, that game is never close. But when it became a, the Dante Johnson-Ambry Thomas show, they couldn't get a stop. And the biggest issue my real big takeaway, like I said, the quarterback thing was not what I was first thinking about, but the biggest takeaway for me was when you talked about this team going in, the biggest issue on their roster was the cornerback depth. What do they do if they have somebody at corner go down and they had their two top corners go down and deal Lenore was great, by the way. Yeah. Fifth round pick from Oregon was excellent.
3: I but- was just looking up our buddy next tweet.
1: But yeah, have those Lenore numbers ready because I want to get yep. to a positive here in a minute. Sure. But Ambry Thomas and Dante Johnson could not get a stop. And that was the biggest issue going into the season. And it was their biggest issue on Sunday. And, you know, for all the weird bounces, of the football and the, the fumble and the starters coming out. The fact of the matter is, is their cornerback play was not good enough against a team that, probably isn't going to win five games
3: yeah i i agree and and that's that's the whole thing with this team right you and i said it here um it's been written it's been said elsewhere that in terms of the starting lineup and just looking at the talent that the 49ers have they should be a contender Mm -hmm. but what's going to prevent them from being a contender and playing up to their standard is injuries particularly at key spots like cornerback Mm-hmm. And so to me, I, I think it's a roster construction issue because, you know, we can have this conversation now or we can we can do it when we talk stock up and stock down. But like the 49ers came out of this draft, you know, like in the second round, a lot of us thought they would take a corner in that round. They didn't. They took Aaron Banks, who got hurt during training camp um, and was inactive on Sunday and doesn't appear close to unseating Daniel Brunskill, which is a problem mm-hmm. in of itself. Let alone the uh, the fact that they traded down after having an opportunity to draft somebody like Asante Samuel Jr., who's a starter for the Chargers now, right? Mm-hmm. Like it would it it would behoove the 49ers to have a starting cornerback, a rookie like who's could potentially play well his rookie season rather than Aaron Banks who's inactive, right? I think we do yeah. Um the Kinlaw thing, like, you know, what I, it's you don't want to make proclamations about a guy who's been hurt, but at the same time, like his knee issues showed up in the pre-draft process, multiple teams red flagged his knees, and now he has a knee issue and isn't playing. And and the Detroit lions are running through the 49ers defense to the tune of like six yards per carry before the Niners took a three touchdown lead. Yeah. um, And ultimately made that point moot, but like, you know, if there's a, if there's a criticism, a fair criticism of the wide nine as a scheme is that you have your defensive line. So spread out that it can create running lanes, right? Mm -hmm. You need a really big three technique. And Javon Kinlaw is the 49ers biggest defensive lineman and he's unavailable and Contavious street played well and had a sack, but Contavious street is a much better pass rusher than he is run defender, particularly if he has to play on the inside because he played defensive end in college. Mm -hmm. So there, there are roster issues with this team relating directly to their depth, which should be expected given how many guys they've paid at the top of their market of their respective positions. But you know, like, and we can talk about Trey Sermon too, who was inactive, a third round pick who's not contributing week one. Um, you know, Pran and Ayuk getting no targets. Yeah, that's little- the other that is a little bit alarming because he was so good early in training camp and looked poised to, um, to have a big year. And, you know, it, I, I get the feeling that it's, you know, it's a combination of, you know, the injury that he had that caused him to miss 10 games in August and, or 10 days in August. And then the, you know, maybe he's, you know, the drops were an issue for Kyle Shanahan and maybe he got into Kyle Shanahan's doghouse a little bit. And we know Shanahan is, notoriously tough on receivers so you wonder if there's some Dante Pettis situation going on here I use clearly did. better and more talented than Pettis I want that to be clear I just want the, the only parallel here is that it might be Ayuk entering doghouse territory because Trent Shurfield should not be splitting time with Brandon Ayuk. have we ever said man it's a good thing that guy was
1: in Kyle Shanahan's doghouse has anything <laughs> good ever come out of that
3: <laughs> I mean it's or, or,
1: to say. or does 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 doghouse for Kyle Shanahan I mean this does doghouse for Kyle
3: Shanahan mean you're done? Well, so Kendrick Bourne spent a lot of time in in Kyle Shanahan's doghouse early on. But Kendrick Bourne, I mean, so in 2019, Kendrick Bourne probably didn't make the team, wouldn't have made the team, but there were injuries elsewhere. Right. right. And then Kendrick Bourne wound up being the team's number three receiver. So I think that's an example of like, all right, a guy who began in, in the doghouse and worked his way out to be a productive player. But I, I mean, it just happens. Like, I don't know um you know we it's probably kyle Shanahan's coaching style and, it, and at that point the 49ers are all in so they have to deal with stuff like that um but no like they should have won um they blew looked like they were going to blow out the lions they tweeted at one point i thought the 49ers were going to hang 50 on them and they probably mm-hmm. should have um but the, there are some issues there there are some issues moving forward that need to be cleaned up. They can't allow a team to come back from a deficit like that when there's still that much time left. Um, They have serious depth issues in the secondary now, and they're probably going to have to make a move. Maybe Richard Sherman comes back. Kyle Shanahan said it's a possibility. We have no idea what Sherman's status is in terms of what type of shape he's in. We have no idea if Josh Norman is a good player right now. We have no idea if Emmanuel Mosley is going to be able to stay healthy. Um, because I mean, Emmanuel Mosley now is dealing with his, the, the season just started and he's dealing with his third issue, right? He began yeah. on the COVID list. He had a hamstring issue during training camp and now it's a knee, right? Like this is mm-hmm. a guy they expected to start yeah. opposite a guy who is now done for the season. So as your yeah. top two guys, Diamador Lenore is certainly a strong point, but all of a sudden now a fifth round pick is your most important player at a really important position. Yeah. So that's, that's an issue when you're, in, when you're trying to win a division that has Tyler Lockett, who had two touchdowns today, and DK Metcalf, who scored a touchdown today, and DeAndre Hopkins, who's one of the best receivers in the league, and Cooper Cup, who was making big play after big play against the Rams. The Rams look Woods. really good. And, you know, like this division is loaded with pass catchers. And now, despite the 49ers having a really good defensive front, Sans Kinlaw, whenever he's able to come back, like their secondary depth is a real issue. And we knew this was an issue in the offseason. And it's I perfectly fair to criticize them for their inactivity in that position. Because if you draft Aaron Banks, he better start from week one. That was it. Right. Aaron Banks yes. better start yes. from week one. And if you're not starting Aaron Banks week one, and I know he got hurt, but even when he was healthy, he wasn't even in the rotation early in training camp at that right guard spot like that right now is just a big miss and maybe mm-hmm. that changes maybe it turns into a starter next year or whatever but right now it's a miss and this is a team that's trying to contend right now and their windows open right now and instead of drafting a cornerback which they needed and now it's more apparent they needed they went for an offensive lineman who's in sweats on the sideline so you know, the, these are the issues the 49ers have to deal with going forward and it doesn't mean they can't win the NFC West or even become the, the number one seed in the NFC. It's just now their margin for error is shrinking as they deal with attrition. And I think and that that's going to be their big issue this season.
1: Well, right. And we had question marks going in and what week one did was just kind of uh, Nick Bosa looked great. All right. Yeah. Erase that question mark. D Ford looked great. In fact, the defensive line, I thought, did a, did a really nice job uh, from a pass rushing standpoint,
3: but the D Ford stuff like that can happen any minute too. Sure. Right. So just like Jason Verrett, the, the,
1: the secondary depth was a problem or perceived problem. And now that's just what it is going forward. And you can say, if this is going to be a team, that's going to reach the super bowl that I think that's going to be the biggest, uh, conundrum for them that they have to solve
3: yeah like you're immediately looking at the at the trade deadline and who's potentially available right yes. Like can if they can get an impact guy at the trade deadline then that would solve a lot of their issues in a similar way to adding emmanuel sanders did at receiver in 2019 mm-hmm. the issue is you're not going to get a top flight guy because you just traded your next two first round picks and a third round pick for trey lance
2: mm-hmm
3: So you're, you're going to have to deal with a little bit more bear of a cupboard when it comes to draft capital that you have to offer. And can you get an impact guy for a second round pick potentially, but if you're trying to get an impact guy for a second round pick, there's probably another team who's willing to offer more, or Mm -hmm. they're going to have a, a lower or higher second round pick than you Mm -hmm. or an earlier second round pick. I should say, um, you know, if the 49ers are contending, so you know, it's, it's so
1: funny that like the tenor of this podcast and they won.
3: <laughs> it what?
1: The tenor of this podcast is what it is. And they won. Yeah, I mean, when... it's so it's the most bizarre. Like trying to figure out takeaways. Like Debo Samuel was great. Like, OK, like, they were we knew...
3: 41 to 17 in the fourth quarter
1: with two with two minutes left
3: yeah a and they minute, won by we, eight
2: mm-hmm.
3: just weird like i so yeah to me like there, there's less to take away from the game itself and just more to take away from like what the 49ers have in terms of in, injury situations and their mm-hmm. roster construction
0: because jimmy garoppolo is really good
3: Jimmy, yeah he was good he was really good he um he completed a bunch of passes deep downfield. I know uh, I know our buddy Nick. Five for five for
1: 180-something yards and a touchdown.
3: After he was like five or 16 on throws of 20 yards downfield or something last year? Yeah. Nick yeah. Wagner on Twitter had those stats. Yeah. So, you know, there, there were some very good things for Jimmy Garoppolo, particularly in the context, like you mentioned, he's typically not great in week one. Right, He mm-hmm. wasn't good against the Vikings in 2018. Um, he wasn't particularly good against Tampa Bay in 2019. Uh, last year he wasn't good against the Cardinals in that loss, mm-hmm. although he was throwing to Trent Taylor and Dante Pettis as his top two receivers in that game. Both not in the league now. Both not in the league. So the fact that Garoppolo had a six-career, 300-yard game um, is certainly a positive. Right? Yeah, And, and I, Debo I ever... having 180 yards 189 yards career high also positive elijah mitchell and- 104 yards in a touchdown super positive yeah so those are good things
1: and the offensive line was really good
3: yeah the offensive line should be good yeah with the exception of right guard i expect all those guys to be pretty good
1: um i want to go to the the underthrow to Debo samuel the 79 yard touchdown the
3: longest touchdown of jimmy garoppolo's career
1: yes yeah because yeah, it was underthrown, but if that ball is like on the money where it's supposed
3: to be, it doesn't get caught. No, for sure. I mean, he said after the game he tried to he tried to back shoulder it a little bit. I didn't see. I, I didn't get a good look at like whether or not there was an at like a real spiral or wh- whether it was floating. Mm-hmm. But the way Debo Samuel described it afterwards, saying like. Yeah, we we just got to make our our quarterbacks look good, even when they don't throw good passes. Essentially, <laughs> it was you know, it, it that's that sort of said all of it. But like Jeff Okuda, you know, I'm I'm surprised because I watched a lot of Jeff Okuda in college.
1: Yeah.
2: Obviously, TBU.
3: and he was really good, and he was like the consensus top cornerback in that draft, and he's just really struggled. He is, um, like- and he had good coverage on that play, but it was just like another example of of just like frustration from Lions fans or a reason for frustration from Lions fans about Okuda. Um, but yeah, like they victimized him a lot. And I think there was one shot from the TV angle of like him getting yelled at by his position coach, or maybe that was even Aaron Glenn. I'm not even sure, but I think it was after the 38 yard run from Mitchell where he just didn't didn't make the play on the outside. I don't think he might've been able to, but, um, but yeah, like it's, it was a good win from, if your question about the 49ers was how's the offense going to look, then it was a really good, encouraging performance. And the same thing with like Nick Bosa and D Ford. Yeah. Like those are, those are positive things. It's just all the other stuff now that you're heading into the season. you got another week at the Greenbrier, which is eerily similar to last year after the Week two loss to the Jets when they lost Nick Bosa and Solomon Thomas and Shimmy Garoppolo they stayed at the Greenbrier because they were playing in New York again. Raheem Mostert, Raheem Mostert also got hurt. We haven't even mentioned him yet. He got hurt after two carries. That's real problematic. Mm-hmm. Um, so attrition. The, it's the whole thing with this team all the time. Yeah, and it sucks to talk about. Nobody likes talking about injuries. I'm sure nobody likes hearing us talk about injuries, but it just is what it is with this team because. They're talented enough to beat anybody, but they're also just so prone to losing key players. And it happens year after year after year that it's always the wild card with this team. And you just never know when the next guy is going to go down.
1: And to that point, just to drive that home, if Jason Verrett doesn't go down today in the third quarter, the 49ers probably win that game like 41 to 17.
2: Yeah. The
1: entire momentum
3: of everything swung.
1: It was, it was right. And now the talk is about injuries and what the secondary is going to look like. So many things, so many things hinged on that. And just to touch on that for a minute, I don't know if I've ever felt worse for a player. Like I don't want to compare, like, it's not what I meant to do. But just the, like, that was rough. That
3: he was tore his really ACL rough. once before. He tore his Achilles before. He played in, like, five games over a four-season stretch. Mm-hmm. Um, he came back last year after everybody thought he was washed and played really well, basically mm-hmm. at a Pro Bowl level. Played well enough to earn a contract to come back and be the team's number one cornerback, only to tear his ACL, potentially. We don't know that yet, but that's what they fear. And, I mean, these doctors have um they have tests they can do just preliminary tests that could basically tell whether or not a guy's torn his acl so i think it's safe his reaction to seemed to be of yeah the way he reacted for sure yeah. but yeah it's just horrendous like he's come back from a lot his body's been through a ton um it takes incredible incredible amount of fortitude and just mental strength and belief to even get back to this point where he's playing Mm -hmm. football after all those injuries, particularly playing at a high level, it wasn't like he was just, just a guy like Jason Verrett was a number one cornerback on a contending team. Yeah. Um, And now to have it happen again, potentially is just so brutal. And, um, and, you know, he's a good dude, like very highly respected in the locker room, highly thought of um, a guy whose words carry a lot of weight in that locker room because of everything he's been through. And, you know, he's not a rah-rah guy, but guys look at him and just see the work ethic that he has mm-hmm. and what he puts into his craft. And that, you know, that's that's his brand of leadership, and it's a very effective one. Mm-hmm. So now that room, I don't want to say it becomes rudderless, but it's like Emmanuel Mosley's basically your top corner. And then your other starter is or Lenore, who is really good. Maybe I yeah. should bring those numbers up now. Like, yeah, let those fly. So, per Nick Wagner, and you got this from next gen stats uh, four targets, one reception, three yards allowed on 55 coverage snaps. Man, which goes along with how good he was in the preseason, right? Yeah. Um, so, potentially a, a really nice find in the fifth round if this is what's to be expected of Lenore going forward. And the nice thing about Lenore as a prospect is he basically went four season four seasons at Oregon without missing any substantial time with injury. Like right. he played a ton of football at Oregon. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's
1: it's it's pretty funny. The not funny, but it's interesting that you have Ambry Thomas who took twenty twenty off for health reasons. Like not blaming him. Yeah, he took twenty twenty off, and it's clear he's rusty. And then you have a guy in Diamantor Lenore, who played four years and was like a four-year starter at a Pac-12 school, and came in and looked. Just the readiness level
3: between those two players is it's a very stark. It's a huge advantage, and I think yeah. the same is true for Jalen Moore. Yes, right? mm-hmm. he played a ton of football um, in in college, and uh, and it shows. Like mm-hmm. that's. And I think that's the thing that the 49ers are going to focus on moving forward is just getting guys who don't miss time, play a lot of football because then when they come in for their first training camp, they can hit the ground running. And it's those guys who have had the best camp, the best camps, I should say among the rookies. So that'll be, that'll be a focus. I'm sure. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know what they're going to do a corner. I really don't. I'll have to look fascinated like CJ Henderson. Are the fighting Trent Balkies of Jacksonville going to be going to be sellers? I who think they are blasted by the Texans. Blasted by the Texans in week one. Yeah. Trent Balkies fighting Jaguars. <laughs> Not great, man.
1: Ouch. Tough scene. Let's uh, let's hit a quick break and then do some stock up, stock up. 49ers football is finally back and there's no need to exhaust yourself searching all over the internet to find 49ers tickets anymore. You know why? Because TickPick, that's T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K, is the original no-fee ticket site and the only one you'll ever need is your go-to for all NFL tickets. See, what TickPick did is they got rid of all those awful service fees that the other ticket sites charge. That's why I don't go to those sites anymore because those fees are ridiculous. It allows TickPick to guarantee the best prices on all of their NFL tickets. You don't believe me? You can find better prices for the same seats on another ticket site. If you can do that, TickPick will give you 110% of the difference in the purchase price. The 49ers open with two games on the road, but they are back at Levi Stadium September 26th. It's a Sunday night football game at home against the Packers. My mom mom has already gotten her ticket. She goes with her friends. I don't have a ticket yet. I'm going to go to TickPick.com and get my tickets there because I'm not going to be charged service fees. I'm going to get the best possible price. And that's what your boy is looking for. I'm going to go enjoy the atmosphere. It's going to be electric. I can't wait to be there, and you should be there too. So visit TickPick.com slash Candlestick today and use the promo code Candlestick to save $10 on your first order of 49ers tickets. Do that right now, and we will see you at Levi Stadium on September 26th.
0: From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com.
1: All right, stock up, stock down. We're just going to carry this over, and if you're new to the pod, it's like a winners and losers segment. But um, I'm sitting here doing a podcast in my house and my boxers, and I have a hard time calling a professional athlete a loser. That's all.
3: So we do we do stock up and stock down here. It's TMI. We're video chatting right now. I...
1: Yeah, it's it's way a little approach. uncomfortable. Good.
3: It's a little uncomfortable. I'm
1: actually wearing jeans. All right, good. But in my boxers, just drives home the the
3: the look I was going for. Sure. What? You're no. The the listeners, I'm I'm sure are thrilled.
1: Yeah, dude, it's theater of the mind for the,
3: for the visual. Yeah.
1: <laughs> anyway, stock up, stock down, stock up first. A guy we talked about a little bit, Jimmy Garoppolo. There was this because he was playing hurt last year. I think it got lost that he's a pretty good football player. Like he had a really nice final half of 2019. He got hurt early in 2020, and then I just don't think was ever quite right. And he came out. I don't think he's going to average 315 passing yards a game or anything, but it's clear that he can run this offense efficiently and he is capable of throwing the football more than six yards down the field.
3: Yeah. I, and there weren't, you know, off the top of my head, maybe there was, and I'm just whiffing on it right now, but there wasn't like the head scratching throw that should have been picked, you know, like those. Th- two or three throws he has often during games where you're like, well, he got away with that or, Oh, his, he, he was, he played pretty well except for that pick 60 (laughs) through. Right. You know, like these, that that's the thing with Jimmy Garoppolo is that we know he can capably run the offense and he can make plays, but he also has a penchant for just giving the ball away. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and so like, he didn't have any of those today, aside from the, (laughs) The fumble on the very first snap of the season which is funny but that was an issue throughout training camp like there were at least a handful of snaps that i saw between him and alex mack that that they muffed on during practice so maybe that's something they still need to work on but no to your point i mean jimmy garoppolo stock up 314 yards um like i said over 12 yards per per attempt like i don't know if people get the importance of efficiency Mm-hmm. but like jared goff threw 338 yards he he had on 57 attempts it's 5.9 yeah. yards per attempt jimmy garoppolo had fewer than half the attempts 314 yards 12.6 yards per attempt
1: yeah jared goff needed like 34 more attempts to throw over 27 more yards or something
3: yeah so basically like efficiency is really important in quarterback play and i know a lot you know, even like, Andy, like Dal- Andy Dalton tonight against the Rams, people, I saw people saying like, well, he's completing a high percentage of his passes is like, yeah, he's throwing bubble screens and checkdowns on third and eight. Right. You know, like that's, that's not an efficient way to play quarterback. So Jimmy Garoppolo in Kyle Shanahan's offense can efficiently play quarterback. Mm-hmm. And I would bet if he's averaging 12.6 yards per attempt and not throwing interceptions, the Niners are going to win all of those games.
1: Yeah. I think I think yeah. that's
3: right. If he averages 12 yards per attempt,
1: he's going to win the MVP award.
2: Yeah.
3: I mean maybe. If he goes Dude. the whole season averaging 12, yeah. Yes. If he averages yeah. 12, right. 12, 12 yards attempt the, the entire season he'll throw for 7,000 <laughs> yards and yeah. Right. <laughs> that's
1: possible. So, uh the other the other thing with Garoppolo is you mentioned the the lack of head-scratching interceptions. Or just throws in general.
3: interceptable passes.
1: Yeah. Um, the other two things that really jumped out was were the other two things were, were yeah. one, how decisive he was throwing the football down the field. That was something that I feel like he lost a little bit last year, where it would be pat the ball, pat the ball, you know, miss, pump fake, check it down. And it was just Debo Samuel open over the middle, get rid of it. Trent Shurfield, wide open down the field, get rid of it. Um, that That was good to see from him. The other thing was he had a couple times where he evaded pressure and got rid of the ball. There was one he took an intentional grounding that wasn't great. But there were a couple other times where he avoided sacks and then got his eyes back up the field, and that was another thing that I didn't think he was very good at in the past. Yeah. Because when the rush got there, it was a disaster. He was not very good at uh, escaping, and yeah, uh, so he looked he looked really good in that respect today too. So, those are two things that I think you can carry over, even if you're playing a little bit better defense.
3: Yeah, and I agree with everything you said, but I do want to put the caveat out there that this was against the Detroit Lions, who ranked mm-hmm. 32nd in opponent scoring and 32nd in opponents yards. They choice. were like
1: historically bad.
3: Like the second worst scoring defense of all time, I think. Yeah. Jim, remember, Jim so Costa,
1: who we had on the pod, said it was yeah. worse than the defense that went 0 16.
3: Right. So, <laughs> yeah, like that's it, important. It's important to just at least have that context in there. Like, yeah, Jimmy Garoppolo played great, but this is also probably what a functioning Jimmy Garoppolo should do.
1: Yeah. Well, but, and that's that's why that's I said, did. like, the, the decisiveness getting rid of the football down the field and the keeping the eyes up, elevating pressure. That's kind of stuff I think that carries over a little bit.
3: Yeah. And and that's what Kyle Shanahan pointed to when talking about how well Jimmy Garoppolo played throughout training camp in the off season. Right? It's just, mm-hmm. he's decisive. He has a good grasp of things. He had the best off season of, right. you know, since he got to the 49ers, which feels a lot like lip service in a guy that you're trying to trade, but you know, this also, it also proved out at least in week one to, to have some merit. So I think that's a fair point. Yep. Um, stock down. I wrote Trey Lance and, and the reason why I put it, I put Trey Lance is because as long as Jimmy Garoppolo is playing like this and he's healthy, I don't know if Trey Lance is going to start anytime soon. Yeah. Um, and so it might be that Trey Lance just gets incorporated more and more into the offense as the season goes along. And then maybe he starts, you know, if things go well, then maybe he starts to get series at a time instead of just plays at a time. And then if he starts scoring touchdowns, then maybe he becomes a starter. But if Jimmy Garoppolo is having 300-yard games and not throwing interceptions, then it just seems like that process is going to get pushed back. So that's why Trey Lance is in the stock down. It's more of Trey Lance prospects at starting are wor- look worse after the game because sure. of Jimmy Garoppolo's performance than – they did before the game when you just figured Trey Lance would be starting soon-ish.
1: And also because the game looked too fast for him. (laughs) He looked indecisive. He ran the ball under the line. Three carries for two yards.
2: Yeah.
3: Yeah, he's got up that efficiency. He's just not ready. Did the 49ers make a mistake in drafting Trey Lance based on what we saw after the Lions game next time? (laughs) (laughs) Are you ready to pull out
1: the bus label, Chris? (laughs) No, I, I I just you're ultimately you can't I, you're not judging Trey Lance's future off this game. No, that's that's looked, that's the ultimate point. I just showed, showed I, it a looked a lot to of me poise like on he that He was a little to, bit surprised.
3: He, he showed up. a lot of poise on that pass to Trent Sherfield. Boy, he sure did. Nice route for Sherfield, by the way. Yeah, Trent Sherfield, good player, good player. I love the bit that that Guy Haberman has saying that he looks like Antonio Brown just from like a physicality and like stature standpoint and the Love fact it. he's wearing 81 like, yeah, it. it looks like Antonio Brown <laughs> He's uh, not at all like Antonio Brown but I get it from like an aesthetic perspective
1: sure although it looks like Antonio Brown today
3: two catches what 28 yards something? Uh,
2: 23 23 yeah uh, and somebody.
3: a touchdown don't forget to tug and a teddy. Uh stock up how about uh, Nick boson D Ford yeah Pass rush is really good. Nick Bosa played a lot. Yeah, like I, I think Nick Bosa played. He had to play like forty or fifty snaps. I would think. Like he got, he got a couple series off here and there, but I. He he
1: was He was. He was on the field a lot, and I feel like I noticed him a lot. He only had had the one sack, but there were several times where a, uh, he affected plays. B. He got held like crazy. I don't like being like, oh, they shoot his a flag. But that's just a fact of the matter is he was and, really dominant.
3: And Nick Bosa, this probably doesn't get talked about in regards to his game, but he's a really good run defender. Yes. Like they were, he had three tackles for loss in the sack, um, but there were just plays. I mean, he had a four yard tackle for loss on a running play where he just diagnosed it early on and then beat the, beat Penny Sewell to the inside and just made the play just based on his quickness and recognition skills like he's mm-hmm. he's a very very good football player not just a mm-hmm. great pass rusher like he's he's the full package you want at defensive end so
1: he blew up a fourth down play too early yeah. in the game yeah he did just crashing inside and and
3: getting yeah. a stop which was big um, i mean it was big for the 49ers not to give up any points after that yeah. after fumbling the the first snap of the season yeah i, I'll, I won't get over that that'll be no matter how the season ends up all in the back of my head, the context will be of know. all the, of all the, of all the ways
1: the first play of the year could have
3: gone. Yeah. Like the 49ers might win the super bowl. And if they do, my lead will be from fumbling the first snap of the season <laughs> to hoisting the Lombardi. <laughs> <laughs> you haven't this written was already. The 49ers journey in 2021.
1: Yeah. The amount of people, <laughs> the amount of after Garoppolo fumbled that snap. The amount of people I follow on Twitter that are not people who cover or follow the 49ers that were like, this is why Trey Lance should have started. Or if he can't take a snap, why is Lance not starting? I was like, <laughs> okay, C- like
3: I tweeted, I tweeted like a clear and obvious mistake from the inexperienced yeah.
2: rookie
1: <laughs> I did see that, but see if it's somebody that, that is around and covers the team because everybody said something about it. That doesn't, but like, dude, you cover the Vikings. Like, what do you?
3: What? I don't know. And who knows what Alex sweat, Alex sweat, Alex Max butt sweat situation was at that point. Might have been some just real heavy just perspiration a, there just a, they had to work through. Just a deluge. <laughs> All
1: right, let's uh, stock down while the Bosa and Ford tandem were really good. And I want to – D-Ford had a sack, too, that was, was vintage D-Ford.
3: It was a really good sequence because Bosa got a stop. D-Ford pressured Jared Goff into the pick six, and then Ford drew a holding penalty on a third down the next series. There's, I think that it was something like that. They, were, they both made plays that were pretty decisive for their drives. So if D Ford's going to play like that and be healthy and sort of a pass, pass rush specialist role, I think that could be really important. Samson Ebukam and Contavious Street um, pressuring Jared Goff on the final fourth down of the game that that ended it basically. I mean, Ebukam mm-hmm. could be a pretty valuable player if Ebukam is both productive in his snaps and also able to spell D Ford to the point where Ford can be more effective.
1: Yeah, completely agree. Yeah. Um, Stock down. Speaking of the defensive line, the run defense was really bad. In fact, if the offense wasn't as good as it was and got up thirty-eight to ten in the third quarter, it it might have been it might have been rough sledding because they could not figure out how to stop Detroit inside.
3: Yeah, and Detroit was trailing for the vast majority of the game and still averaged almost five yards a carry on twenty-four runs. So it wasn't like one of those games where they just gave up on running the ball. It was like, they ran the ball a decent amount and had a lot of success with it. And I think it speaks like that to me speaks to Javon Mm Kinlaw and his absence is glaring in the run game because Contavious street, while he plays the same position is just a much different type player and not the the guy who's who can like
0: stand up against double
3: teams. Right. Right. Like if Contavious Street gets double teamed, he's getting washed out of the play. And, you know, Eric Armstead's good against the run, but he's a pretty slender dude who's not, you know, he's, he play, he's playing defensive end in a lot of these base situations anyway. But when he is inside, I feel like you could you could running on or towards Eric Armstead. Um, so the 49ers need Kinlaw to get healthy and play because, yeah, you know, I mean, the the Jaguars defense in 2017 best in the league and they sucked against the run or were below average against the run and it didn't matter all of that much mm-hmm. but if the 49ers are going to be in these games where they want to control tempo and they want to you know have the ball and control time of possession and everything like that they're going to need to stop the run better than they did against the lions yeah if they
1: if they give up 5 yards a carry
3: all year it's not going to be good it's gonna be much more difficult for them to win games.
1: yeah, no and it's it's because if there's a game if they're gonna be up by four touchdowns late in the game, you know then then it's one thing. but if they're in a spot where hey, they need to get the ball back and they just can't stop the run, they're gonna like you said that just that's fewer opportunities they're gonna get themselves to win. So while we talk a lot about the secondary and I think that's a larger issue right now just their personnel at that spot, their their run defense was, uh, on Sunday at least, um, exposed pretty badly. Yeah. And I think, I think, to your point, having a body the size of Kinlaw just to chew up space could be really helpful. Absolutely. Um, stock up. A couple of rookies. A couple of late-round rookies. Fifth-round pick, diamador Lenore, who we talked about a little bit earlier. And then sixth-round pick, uh, Elijah Mitchell. Both made their NFL debuts you read the numbers for Lenore Mitchell had 104 yards and a touchdown, really nice 38 yard run. I don't know if you remember, but you probably don't after the draft. I wondered if he was going to be the eventual Raheem Mostert replacement just because of his running style. Mm -hmm. And that touchdown had big Mostert vibes where he got to the edge, shed one tackle and was gone.
3: Yeah. There in terms of like, stylistically looking at the 49ers running backs, I think it's fair to say that Mitchell and Mostert are the most alike in skill sets. Yeah. Because yeah, Hastie's right. different. Sermon's obviously different. Um, but I think Mostert and Mitchell are similar because they both have breakaway speed, but they both have pops at physicality. Yeah. is um, clearly their best guy, and I think their offense can just reach a different level when his speed is out there. But I think Mitchell... I is is a nice piece to have if you're not going to have mustard and ideally you would have them both Mm -hmm. Um, but Mitchell I mean you know we saw it during training camp a little bit but it's really hard to evaluate running backs during training camp and we didn't really get much of a look from him during the preseason because he had that abductor injury Mm -hmm. but I mean he's he looked really good 104 yards on 19 carries five and a half a pop um that could be a, a, the next. he could be the next, you know, Kyle Shanahan Bobby Turner guy that right. turns into a really, really valuable player who they get late in the draft or undrafted.
1: The thing that, the thing that really jumped out outside of you know the obvious you know, the speed and the, the big touchdown and stuff, there were three or four runs where there was nothing there and he turned it into four or five or six yards. Yeah. And that's a that's a huge deal. Outside of just being able to get to the edge, if you can get between the tackles and turn no gain into four or five, where all of a sudden you have second and five instead of a second and 10, that's a massive advantage for an offense and a play caller like Kyle Shanahan.
3: Yeah, and now you wonder, you know, if Raheem Mostert has to miss time, which wouldn't really be a surprise at this point, can Trey Sermon be productive to the point where you're not ringing the alarm bell because he's inactive. Right, right, exactly. Right. Um, so, yeah, we talked about Lenore too, the other half of this stock up. It's just weird, man. Like we talked about it earlier too, but just the, the 49ers drafted multiple guys at the same position in this draft at cornerback and running back and offensive line. And mm-hmm. the guy that was drafted later has been better
2: it's in true all about- three cases.
3: Yeah, it's true about Elijah Mitchell over Trey Sermon. It's true about De'Amador Lenore over Ambry Thomas. And it's true about Jalen Moore over Aaron Banks. So it might just be a weird thing, a weird early season thing that has to do with injuries and, and, you know, guys maybe not hitting the ground running um, during training camp and stuff like that. But I think, you know, my... I think it's fair to wonder if this is if this is going to be the theme from this draft class going forward and that the guys with the exception of Trey Lance that they double dipped on in terms of position. If the Mm -hmm. early round guys aren't as good as the late round guys, you know, does that change the way the 49ers look at their structure in terms of how they evaluate draft talent?
2: Yeah,
3: it was like and
1: all of it, all of it ultimately doesn't matter if Trey Lance is good. From, yeah, a draft, from a draft from a draft class standpoint.
3: You know, like Trey Sermon, they inv- they traded two fourth round picks to move yeah. up for Trey Sermon in the third round. Yeah, not good. And like we said, they pass on Asante Samuel Jr. to trade back and ended up with Aaron Banks. Yep. So
1: let's get to the last stock down. Yeah.
3: Last stock down. Where are we at? <laughs> Finishing games. George yeah. Kittle's face mask. Debo yes. Samuels fumble. I mean, Those these are, are, so we talked about the rookies coming in and, and, you know, giving mm-hmm. up plays in the secondary. These are the 49ers, like best players or like these stalwart
1: all players. These are the 49ers players that didn't play in the preseason.
3: <laughs> Debo played in the preseason a little, a little, but <laughs> no, but the, the point is like finishing games, you have to finish games. And these are, you know, week one can be weird and wonky, but and George Kittle said it best: "Like better to learn this now after like after the game." He said, "Better to learn this now."
1: Then. Yeah, and ultimately they don't. They my concern going in was that the Lions were going to be fired up. New head coach, Forty Nine ers think they're just going to walk over them, and the all of a sudden, yeah, right. And all of a sudden, it's five minutes left, and the Lions are up six and have the ball. Right. Um. They, the 49ers didn't do that, but they took their foot off the gas and got punched in the mouth late. And if you're going to get punched in the mouth, it's better to do it when you're up by 24 points with two minutes left than right at the start of the game. Um, but it's not something they are going to be able to. Philly looked really good against Atlanta. And it's right. week one. Don't know how much to take away from that. but And Atlanta might be bad right but philly didn't look like a dumpster fire
3: no no no, no. where I think, the niners I think are going to go, gonna go in in the... yeah how do you we can dive into it's, that
1: it's worth noting right we'll do it's worth noting though uh i'm gonna tease that i have a note on that um good good tease kyle
3: yeah to your point like it could have been one of those games where the 49ers played down to the competition mm-hmm. and then pulled a win out of their ass late and we'd be saying well They didn't play well early season stuff, but they pulled out, they pulled it out late. This was the exact opposite. It was they dominated for 80% of the game. And then Jason Verrett got hurt and it basically deflated the entire team Mm -hmm. at the same time Kyle Shanahan pulled the starters defensively. And then the, the Lions went on their run. So it was, it was just a weird game from, from that perspective. And it's, it's not i mean what's and i'll say it again but what's more worrying about it is just the roster construction issues rather than the way they played they played it's well. bigger picture stuff yeah if you're
1: if you're going micro on sunday's game save for the last two minutes they played great
3: yeah, like, particularly on offense yeah and the defense was good for most of the game too
2: yeah
1: so my there's not a lot of complaints from a micro standpoint but when you zoom out all those problems that you talk about can they fix the run defense what are they going to do in the secondary uh last question before we get out of here do you think that we have to finish on the quarterback um do you think that trey lance i guess i should have asked this when we were talking about it but do you think that his playing time was affected at all today, or do you think that they're just kind of on track and we're going to see
3: four to five snaps a game? And I'm guessing if he didn't miss time, practice time, at least throwing with the finger, that he probably would have gotten more snaps.
2: Hmm. Okay.
3: But I think because of that and the fact he only resumed throwing on Wednesday, Mm -hmm. that they they were probably a little more hesitant to give him a, a bigger workload. That makes sense. But, I think, after a full week in in West Virginia, he's probably more likely to play more in Philadelphia. But at the same time, like Kyle Shanahan's very much like a hot hand. if it isn't broke, don't fix it, guy. Like he's the guy who dialed up only eight passes in the NFC championship game because he didn't mm-hmm. really need to and and he also didn't fully trust Jimmy Garoppolo. but <laughs> sh- sh- <laughs> but if Jimmy Garoppolo is having three hundred yard games and averaging twelve yards per attempt, right. he's not gonna feel super eager to throw trade Lance in there.
1: And the other thing, too, if Jimmy Garoppolo is super efficient, but at eight and a half yards per attempt,
3: eight and and a half is still very efficient,
1: right? If he's at eight and a half and throwing for 250 yards or whatever, and a couple touchdowns like that's not going to it's not like Shanahan's going, oh, he didn't get to 300 yards,
3: right? If he's efficient and not turning the ball over and like efficiency is basically eight yards per attempt.
1: Yeah, that's like the minimum for a good.
3: Yeah. And you'll see a lot of guys complete like 80% of their passes, but they'll average five yards per attempt and be like, all right, this is not effective. I think golf was 4.7 yards per attempt today. Yeah, it wasn't great. I mean, he threw 57 times. It's the equivalent. It's like, yeah, I'm not going to explain efficiency. Let's get out of here. So the Niners averaged 11.5 yards per attempt when you include sacks, Jimmy Garoppolo was sacked once. Right. Uh, Jared Goff was sacked three times for third uh, 24 yards, 5.2 yards per attempt on 57 attempts. So Jeez. yeah. Efficiency is the name of the game kids. If you're inefficient, you're probably not going to win too many football games. Um, so yeah, we're on the, uh, we're on the, the three podcast a week schedule. So we'll have another one later. And then another one after that, before the Eagles game. <laughs> <Perfect>. <laughs> we'll still, we're still figuring out the schedule. There's, there's some other things that we're going to try throwing on the feed too, um, which we might talk about down the road, but um, just something for something for your earbuds. We'll see.
1: Trying to bring you all the, fill, all the 49ers content
3: in all the ways you'd want it. Trying to fill in the gaps. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. 49ers want to know they presumably have landed in West Virginia by now. Kyle Shanahan will have a conference call uh, on Monday at one Pacific time for Eastern. And there will be some, I'm sure some revelations coming out of that, which we can talk about. Uh, we can talk about the Eagles later on this week. I'm sure I'll dive into the, that Falcons, that Falcons film deep in the lab. Hopefully get some oh all twenty two on Game Pass, and then uh, grinding and then it film so hard. We can we can sort things out. Can't wait. See you guys later this week. Subscribe, rate, review. Bye guys. Bye.